Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. Amen. But we always have opportunities. Like Ann said, there's, Pastor Ann said, there's opportunities and situations. We all go through them. But what happens and how we handle it, the word is important. It's good seed. We come here for a very short amount of time on Sunday. It's why we have other meetings because, you know, a Sunday is like almost dine and dash, you know. Sometimes there's a show with Dine and Dash, but most of the time it's Dine and Dash, and you're off to lunch and thinking about it. But don't be thinking about lunch right now. <laughs> this word seed is going to go in. It's going to help you. And we're going to be blessed. Amen. Amen. So we thank God for his word. It's so good. It keeps us. Shows us how to live. It's wonderful. Changes us without us even realizing it. So aren't you grateful for that? We're so grateful that the word can come in and we receive it and something begins to take place. We can't explain. We're so thankful for that, Jesus. So thankful. I was thinking the other day, you know, I've got some clothes in my closet that I love to wear. Anybody got something they love to wear? You know, like a jacket or even a pair of shoes. And you put them on, you go, I know you love to wear gray, but, um, you know, whatever that is. But we, we have things we love to wear. Uh, you know, uh, there are certain things I pull it out and I'm like, I'm saving that one because I really like to wear it. I've got a, a lilac jacket that's got lots of bling on it. I love it. And I put it on. I'm like, yeah. You know, it's jean jacket kind of material, though, so it's not always whatever. But anyway, I love it. I put it on. I love it. I love my leather jacket that I ride on the motorcycle, but it's for that. So I often just use it for that. But I put it on. I'm like, I love it. I have some shoes. I put them on. And I'm like, ooh. And you, know, and, and you know what I'm talking about. Even fellas do it. Come on now. There you go. See, he loves his shoes. Amen. I've seen you, some of your socks. You love those too. We have things we love to put on. But there are some things we need to learn to love to wear. Hmm. Most of us shy away from righteousness because we haven't learned how to love the righteous robes yet. We'll sometimes get that part of righteousness on the inside where we've accepted that Jesus died for our sins. And so we accept that at some level. But then we have this notion inside that somehow sin and temptation have this great power over us. And I believe that we in the body of Christ have mistakenly lifted the power of sin and temptation into a wrong position. And because they're in a wrong position, we delicately wear robes of righteousness and we go around, is it okay if I put it on now, Jesus? I know you paid a great price for me to wear your rags instead of mine. But we don't wear it. We're not comfortable. Can we be comfortable with the robes of righteousness he so carefully bought for us? They should be our most comfortable clothes. But when righteousness begins to challenge what we like about life, We'd rather have the rag we knew rather than the clothes we didn't know. I believe if we'll receive his word truthfully in our hearts, these things can begin to change. And when they change, sin isn't going to have power over you. 
Sin is one thing, temptation's another. Temptation isn't sin. But how many people have ever been tempted? How many people have ever sinned? Don't be a liar. Because we'd be starting right there. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> so we think about these things, and, and God wants us to be comfortable in his kind of clothing. So that these things that are of the world don't bother us anymore. I'm telling you today that when you understand and begin to receive that sin doesn't have to have power over your life, temptation doesn't have to have power over your life, you're going to be a whole lot happier. But it's because of how it's positioned. Oh, you know, and, and, and we're not saying go out there and have a sin day. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that when sin comes along and temptation to sin is, is knocking at your door, you have the great ability to say no because you have an all-powerful God on your side that when you yield to him, he'll help you say no. And it's a good thing. And you're not going to be worried about it. There was a time when I was younger, I literally was worried about sin. I know that sounds funny, but, you know, I got obsessed with sin in a wrong way. Oh, I didn't want to sin. Oh, I didn't want to sin. Oh, the temptation. Oh, and as I, because I was afraid to sin, it gave it power. Hmm? Right? Turn with me, please, to uh, Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 13. Hebrews 3. 13 says, exhort one another daily. Well, it's called today. That means now for all of you who can't, you know, quite get that. It's like right now. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Interesting verse, don't you think so? You see, sin is tricky. It tries to make itself bigger than it really is. But if sin can be defeated out of your life, forgiven, in a moment of your time, a moment, you think how long does it tell? It, it doesn't take but seconds to tell Jesus your story. It doesn't take but seconds to ask him for his holy forgiveness that washes sin immediately out of your life. Sin and death had no power over Jesus. What are they doing having power over us? Hmm? Just got to knock the teeth right out of that thing. You're not having me anymore. Sin, you've got no power over me. Jesus is in me. How could you possibly have power over my life? It's deceitful. It's tricky and it's sneaky. And it's trying to tell you, you haven't got a, a breath of air that you could ever resist it. Huh? I don't think so. I don't think so. I have the living God inside of me who is all powerful. You see how it's deceitful? You see how it's tricky? It's trying to make you think that you can't overcome it. Come on now. Well, the blood of Jesus only works a little ways and it, you know, can rub out. Yeah, that is ridiculous. But we don't hear about the power of the blood of Jesus very much. I mean, we talk about it here, praise the Lord. But that's why. That's why we talk about the blood of Jesus. We talk about it because the, we, faith comes by hearing. It comes by hearing. It comes by hearing. It comes by hearing. It doesn't come by us thinking. 
I was going somewhere. <laughs> the deceitfulness of sin. It tries to be sneaky, tricky, and mess you up, thinking it has power over you, and it does not. You're going to get comfortable wearing robes of righteousness, carefully bought and paid for. They're going to be your favorite clothes. Good morning. You're not very awake. As in Texas, people say amen. And then I was with the Sudanese people. They are not quiet. I forgot. I'm back here. You don't have to be like that. You can be happy. At least smile. You're not dead and you're breathing. Praise the Lord. Amen. The last verse of Hebrews chapter 3, because God's tried to get us in entering into a place of rest, entering into a place of peace. And in this time that we're living in, I get it. There's like a lot of dis, you know, dis everything out there. This, 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 that, this, the other. I think they've stuck dis in front of everything. I never heard the word disinformation when I was growing up. Did you? I mean, like, just keep making words up and stick dis in front of it, and that's where we are today. Like, no, that's not, I'm not going to live there in your dis world. It's not dis world for me, amen? <laughs> and and first, verse 19 says, so we see that they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. And then they go, well, that's it, you see. Not only does, does sin and temptation have power over me, I am totally, I can't go anywhere. I can't enter into the presence of God. I can't enter into peace. I'm never going to have rest because I haven't got enough faith to put rub together to even believe God I can get out of bed. This is called using the word of God completely wrong. See, there's my answer. That's why it's not working. Hmm. Really? Well, let's get an adjustment. Amen? I think we're going to go to Matthew chapter 11 because I've been liking that verse. I've been liking it, liking it, and liking it some more. And every time I talk about it, I like it more. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 11. Sorry I didn't give you scriptures today, but it's just one of those things. You're just going to hear Mama's talking, and she's got some things to say, and we're just going to go where Holy Spirit says to. Amen? Matthew chapter 11. It's a very interesting chapter in the Bible. I like the book of the Gospels. We'll find out. You want to know about Jesus? Read the Gospels. See what he did and then believe God you should too. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 11. Praise the Lord. I'm going to read verse 1 because I like it. It came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding the disciples. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine that today? <laughs> commanding the disciples. <laughs> well, that pastor's really controlling. She tells you everything what to do. <laughs> right? Oh, that Jesus, he was a control freak. Always telling people, go this way, go that way, commanding them. Can you imagine today if he walked into church, he'd probably be walking right back out the door and, you know, throwing things around and throwing out tables. <laughs> commanding his 12 disciples, commanding them. Commanding them. Everybody get used to that word. We don't like it very much, but I tell you what, it works in the army. It keeps them all together. Yep. And it, he, he's not controlling. And when you know he loves you, that it's not a problem. He departed thence to teach and preach in their cities. So picture this. He gets these disciples. They're fishermen. There's a, law, a tax guy. They're a physician. And they're with him. You know, on Sunday morning, it's really wonderful. We sense the presence of God. It's wonderful. And we're with each other who we believe love Jesus. Well, at least we believe that. <laughs> we, Pastor Ed talked about unity. And so we're in this place, and we know we're all accepted. 
And then we go back home to our families and our jobs. Jesus went to their cities. Sometimes we skip over the black words a little too quickly. He went back into their comfort zones <laughs> or their discomfort zones. As I see, I can use the dis word in the right way. And so, so he's going back where they live. He's going into their towns. See this guy? I'm with, I'm with Jesus. Or are you hiding in the back? He's coming into my town. Did you kind of take a vacation and go with him when he came to your town? What if he went into your church and started like throwing out all the people and like whipping them and, and telling you, by the way, you guys are religious and you're like walking graves. Oh, that was my best friend growing up. <laughs> Interesting thoughts. <laughs> I have them sometimes. I think we should read the gospels a little bit slower, don't you? So he's going to go back where you live. Everybody say he's going to be where I live. Are you comfortable with that? You got your clothes on or his? Amen. <laughs> and when John heard in the prison, because he's in prison, the works of Christ, he sent two of his, the, uh, welcome to your world. There's one guy in prison and he led the way. And now Jesus is coming to your city. Are you going to be in prison too? You know, there's good questions here. He says to him, uh, and he says to the disciples, are, are going to ask Jesus, he says to them, are you he that should come or should we look for another? And Jesus said unto them, go and show John again those things which you do, what, hear and see. If you heard it, faith will come. If you saw it, it'll build foundation of strength that you can continue and have endurance to believe for what you heard. Amen. 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 Did you hear that? He says, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me, because I'm coming to your town where you live. <laughs> He's going to get close to you. He's going to be right where you live. He's going to be there. And sin isn't going to have power over you. Isn't that a good time to say amen? Amen. 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 So I got so excited about this and I've been meditating on this. And I said, well, and I've said this a few times recently. I said, you know, I, I realized I haven't seen the de dead raised yet. And after I was meditating on this verse, I said, how long do they have their heart have to not be beating before they're qualified as dead? I'm like, I don't know, Lord. <laughs> And so I, I, I rephrased it. There was a time when I laid hands on my mom and her heart had been stomped for quite a while. She'd had a severe heart attack. Now she was in the hospital. And uh, I, I'd gone there at 4.30 in the morning. And uh, while I was standing there, she flatlined. And the nurse who was sitting by her, we were waiting for a physician to come. Um, the thing's just going, mm. I saw her eyes. They went back. They rolled. She went back in the chair. And the, mm. I looked at the nurse, and she did nothing. She was, I said, hello. Because she she'd, she'd had to take an extra shift, and she'd fallen asleep. She was 25 hours. She hadn't been relieved. So people say that the ho hospitals are clogged now. They were clogged then. And that was 
25 years ago, at least. Well, I, I, you know, it seems like a long time before you pray sometimes. I know other people have prayed for people. Sometimes there's this pause. It feels like forever, but it really wasn't very long. I'm like, indignation is the best word that I have. So if you don't know what that is, you can look it up when you go home. And uh, I'm like, I don't think so. This is not her time. Like, that's what I thought inside. I slammed my hand in her. I said, I don't think so, Satan. You take your hands off my mom. This is not her time. She's going to live uh, way long. No, she's 87 now. And it went, and it was like, and she, and she came to just like a brook. And, and we grabbed hold and prayed for her some more. And I looked at the nurse. I said, stop the lidocaine. I didn't even know they were running lidocaine. I had no idea really what I was doing. But we'll learn some more about the gift of discerning of spirits and how the gifts move when you come to those classes. Amen. Amen. And uh, so that was, that was one time. And I mean, her heart had stopped. And I went, well, I did see the dead raised. Right. And there was another time praying for one of our grandchildren where it had the same thing. Hands on. Where do we go? And they are alive today. Amen? So it doesn't matter. I don't think how long they're dead. They're dead. They're alive. And that's the point. They're alive. Amen? But what did we come out to see? And I thought that was interesting. There were two things that Jesus asked him. What did you come to hear and what did you come to see? And when we come to church, sometimes we do come to see things. Check it out. We're going to see if this church is okay. They're going to see if we like things or we don't like things. They prayed in tongues out loud in front of people. Did anybody interpret any? I don't know about that. I'm not sure if I understand tongues. Aren't they supposed to interpret every single time? Isn't it supposed to? And they have all kinds of questions. Ask a pastor after. We'll talk to you about that. Absolutely. We're not afraid. We're not afraid to pray in tongues in other people. We allow the Holy Spirit to move how he wills. We're not here to control him. We're here submitted and yield to him. The best we know, and we are human. Amen? But will we pray in other tongues? Absolutely. Do we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit filling people's lives when Holy Spirit begins to move in your life? I tell you what, I tried to live as a Christian life before him, and it's way better when he's in charge. I tried to be good. It didn't work. But when I yielded, Holy Spirit came in my life, filled me up, and I have never regretted it, not one day. And yes, sometimes I do strange things and strange sounds I yield to and they pray and then God interprets them and, uh, and uh, wisdom flows. Doesn't, I mean, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be that. So he said, what'd you come to see and what'd you come to hear? And, and I realized this very powerful thing is that w- miracles are wonderful. God said, this is a, going to be a season of miracles like I've never seen before and like you've never seen before. Our expectation needs to be adjusted so that we can even begin to even think what that looks like and conceive it. What is the greatest miracle? It's a transformation. Do you know, I believe one of the most phenomenal miracles is that something as eternal as sin is eradicated in a moment. I mean, oh, how could you? I can't change the past. I can't change what I did. I can't change the mistakes. I can't change my sin. But when I say Jesus forgives me, he wipes out the record. That is a miracle. Absolutely. I become a new person, a whole new creature. How does that happen? I can't tell you, but I know the word. That's what it says. 
And if I'm a new creature, I don't act like the old one. I begin to act like him and look like him and walk like him and talk like him. Now, I didn't do it day one, but neither did any of your children at one year old either. Amen? And praise God for grace that allows us to grow and experience those things. But when you take a moment and you think, my Lord forgave me in a moment of all the ridiculous things I ever got myself involved with. That's amazing. And he loved you before you repented. Now that's really something, isn't it? Because he didn't miss a, anything. He knows it all. All of it. And he loved you anyway. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's amazing. Don't you think so? But you see, down in this verse, further down, he's talking to the disciples. It's wonderful. But if we go down to the end, it says in verse 28, he beckons the people. Same chapter, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor. You see, I was laboring in trying to be a good Christian. Hmm? Now, none of you, of course, have ever done that. Working really hard at being good. Well, that's just nonsense. I couldn't really do it. I labored. I was laboring, trying to make myself better. But I was still wearing my old clothes. I was trying to be righteous on my own terms. I was trying to walk with him in my own understanding. I needed his understanding to come and be real for me, just as you need it to be real for you. You see, when the word of God opens up in our heart, it's like the light coming on you and go, I get it. And we should all have that. Now, you may not do it like I do, like, wow, or Shalane, wow, Pastor Neil, wow. But some of you go, hmm. Whatever way you go, get it. Amen? Even if it's a, hmm, that's okay. But get it. Amen? He said, come unto me. Not, not your neighbor. A lot of us, and, and initially we might come to one another to help us find Jesus in a deeper way. But come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Talk to him like he's a normal person. Right? Hi, I feel messed up today. I'm struggling. Whatever your case is. Hey, you know, sometimes I've asked him, hi, hi, good morning, Lord. How you doing today? I guess, and then I respond, I guess you're doing fine because you're always good. So I'm, I'm guessing you're good. And then I laugh, you know, and I think to myself, well, probably it's a good thing no one's listening. <laughs> Come on now. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. And you see how that pairs with where we were in Hebrews? They could not enter in because of their unbelief. Here's the key. Take my yoke. He doesn't say, all right, well, I'm going to pray for you. You'll come into a spirit of peace and it'll be wonderful. That's not what the answer was. Take my yoke upon you. And next words, learn of me. Learn of me, not about me, not you quoting a bunch of scriptures. You see, faith isn't you gathering up a whole bunch of scriptures, memorizing them, throwing them at the target and hoping you hit it. Good morning. <laughs> faith is what happens when you learn about God and how good he is. 
How he's on your side. How he's wanting the best for you and I. And you see, this world has had, got a lot of troubles, and they've gotten themselves in lots of kinds of messes, and they're not entering into rest because they, they learned about God, but they didn't learn of him. They didn't hang out with him and learn what he is like. When you hang out with God, you begin to understand his character. You go, oh my goodness, what does it mean to hang out with God? When I say that, what I mean is you spend time talking to him yourself. You know, most people, because they see me here, they don't often meet my husband. But if you've ever hung out with my husband, he has a wonderful sense of humor. And, and he'll have you laughing in no short time, but you'd have to learn of him. You'd have to spend time with him. Hmm? Right? And, and even though you see what happens here at God's holy desk, and you see this personality, you think that that's what I'm like 24-7. Now, I'm always serving God, and I love God, and I love to laugh, and I'm kind of loud, but I'm not always. I enjoy my quiet time. I enjoy reading. I enjoy peace in my home. I won't participate in strife and things like that, just, just in general. There are things that I, that I just don't do. I, you know, so I am not who I am where you see with the anointing on me. I'm a wife. I love to cook. I love to bake for others, make them happy, and see smiles on their face. Amen. I like to bake for others because I don't want to eat it myself. <laughs> As I work on being a smaller version, you know, amen. I want to learn of Jesus. I want to learn about him. I want to talk to him. I want to see his ways and begin to know them more than my own. Hmm? But if I never spend time with him, I'm not going to learn that. And you see, in this world, we have many people who are very troubled in their minds. And, and all of this rest is partly the rest of the soul. Our souls aren't coming to it rest. Where Jesus gets, when we get born again, we have a spirit man, the part inside. Our souls are like our mind, will, emotions, creation, intellect. That's our head, basically. But there's this place, our, our, what we call a spirit man. That's our language for it in church. And that's the part that gets born again. Your head does not get born again. And that's the part that needs to be renewed. Is it be renewed in the spirit of your mind and have the mind of Christ. Well, we didn't, when you get born again, you didn't automatically get it. How can you tell you? Because you didn't think like him right away. As you get to know him and know of him, you will begin to think like him because you'll learn his ways and you'll realize they're way better than yours. His thoughts are higher than mine and they're higher than yours and they're way better. Amen. So as the more we get to know of him, these things begin to take place. And then we realize uh, years ago there was this uh, many prophetic words that came and they said, the battleground is the mind. The battleground, they've written books about it. Now, I'm not criticizing those people, but sometimes when we hear things, I bring up this point for this reason. Because we often perceive or understand God's word by our own personal experience, and we interpret the word through that filter of what we personally know at this point about God. And therefore, we have a limit on how we perceive him. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm talking about? When I get into a truck that's a four by four, and I think it's going to work like my old truck, which had a V8 and a 408, I think, something like that. I'll be correct. Was it a 403 in my old truck? 
the expedition? Uh, there you go. It, it was a big one. And let me tell you, that thing could get up and go. <laughs> but, you know, every time I passed a gas station, they smiled at me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew how to work with it. I knew how to operate in it. The new truck didn't operate that way. I had experience that trying to dictate how I drove that new vehicle. When I look at the word of God, there are times when we look at it and try to interpret it through our feelings, our experience, our limited understanding. So that when we say, God is good, we go, well, he was good over here, but I'm not sure if he'll be good for me today. And what does it really mean to be good? It was like halfway good? It's good that I didn't fail today? See how our experience tries to interpret the goodness of God? And when it comes to the mind, we're like, well, the battleground, and we begin to agree with words like this, the battleground, the battleground is the mind. And we begin, well, yeah, because I've had a, like a party going up there that isn't God and all kinds of crazy thoughts. Hallelujah, somebody's got an answer to fix my brain. Well, the word had the answer, but we didn't hear it correctly. There was a battle for the mind, not in the mind. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we can have the armor of God. Not people. The armor of God. And I remember, you know, in Sunday school, we'd make little things. Because we were kids and we had, the, you know, you make a little shield. about so big. Make a little plastic sword. Make a funky helmet. That was all really cool. But we interpreted it. By our earthly understanding. And we'd say things. Oh, look at my shield of faith. You know, because it says in, in Ephesians 6, we'll wear the shield of faith. And we picture it with all kind of bangs in it. And dents. Because I've been in a spiritual battle. Look at my shield. It looks like it's been to war 15,000 times. Hmm? Well, yeah, if it's yours, but that's wearing your old earthly clothes. My new clothes, my righteous robes can take any hit and never say it, show a scar. It's God's armor. Does God take bullet holes? We stop bullet in the air. Flick. Hmm? You think so? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have this problem. So then we've got the helmet of salvation, you see. That's what it says. God gave you a helmet of salvation. Look it up in Ephesians chapter 6. Read the chapter. You'll enjoy it. You'll see a different perspective today. Go on with, Jesus, help me know how this works. How of you? I want to learn of you about your armor. Your armor, not mine, because mine didn't work so well. It's not like a bicycle helmet. You have the heart. It's a helmet of salvation. What is salvation? What is salvation? What? Everything. How does it operate? Because you received the work of the blood of Jesus. Hmm? Did you receive his work? Yes. And that's what's covering your and my head. Aren't you glad? Yes. Now, do you really believe anywhere that it makes any sense whatsoever? That any devil could cross that blood and get in your head. No. Whose helmet are you wearing? Absolutely. 
So that crazy business, the only way the devil gets in your head is when you say, come on in. And you can't blame anybody for that. You can't even say the devil made you do it because he doesn't make anybody do anything. He's outside. He just throws thoughts. It's up to you to receive him and believe him. Don't believe him. Don't believe him. Well, I kind of had a funny pain. You know, my friend had a funny pain. They went to the doctor about that funny pain. You know, and while they were going, it felt like, you know, maybe that's not a funny pain. Maybe that's kind of, you know, I know somebody, man. They had a funny pain in that bone in their body. They went, and oh, and they're, they're on the way to the doctor, but like all the way there, they're like, oh, that funny pain, that's probably cancer, you know. I heard somebody, they had a funny pain, they didn't know, and like three days later, they were dead. Come on now. Mm -hmm. Who let that thought in? Who meditated on it? Hmm. No wonder you're not at rest. So we see they could not enter in because of their unbelief. That sin is deceitful. It's trying to trick you into believing stupid things. Sorry about saying the word stupid. But <laughs> it's trying to suck you in. Learn of him. Learn of him. Learn of him. The availability of the mind of Christ is right there. We've been given his mind. He doesn't get to trek all over your head. Yeah, there is a battle for your mind. Why? To keep you bound. To keep you struggling. It makes so much more sense than when you stand back and go, no wonder the government who is operating under demonic forces at this time continues to go after people with fear language. Make sense? When the wicked rule, the people mourn. But mourning and grief has already been bought and paid for. Interesting, Pastor. You see, if we can grasp that those feelings, I'm not denying they're present, but if you begin to come into that rolling over and over and over of the demonic words that come through people, oh, you know, da da da, oh, this, oh, that, oh, the fear, oh, the anxiety that builds, and it becomes, and it comes, and it comes, and it comes. And the next thing you know, you're like, wow, man, I really am in mourning. I, I feel, I, I, I'm feeling depressed. The grief I feel that nothing can ever change is a hopeless situation. Hmm? And then I read in Isaiah 53 where it says, Jesus bought and paid for our grief and sorrows. What did that blood do? Hmm. When he went to the cross, he took guilt and shame, but he also took grief and he took sorrow. And he said he turned our mourning into like, well, you know, into, well, yeah, well, well, some of us can't dance. Dorian. Well, well, some of us can't jump, Dorian. One day we'll have Pastor Neil demonstrate what dancing is really like. <laughs> Turns your morning into dancing because it's not based on what the government says. 
my dancing is not based on even what you say. When you get excited, you know, and the Holy Spirit's moving and we feel Holy Spirit's presence deep in the room, that doesn't make me dance. Why I dance is because I love him so much I can't keep it inside. And I don't dance well, but I don't care. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of arms and legs all over the place. And, uh, <laughs> but, but I have joy. <laughs> Amen. I know because of some of the places I've been and danced with folks that there's some pretty ugly video out there. <laughs> but I'm not concerned. <laughs> They'll see the joy of the Lord and, and the sweat that came with it. Amen. We're going to learn of him. You see, when his yoke comes on us, it's not the yoke of men. The yoke, when he says it's yoke is easy, so if it's not easy, it's hard. So if it's a hard thing that you've been asked to do, it probably isn't Jesus. We make our own hard, hard things. Lots of us, you know, well, it was easy and it was simple, but we had to complicate things. I think that believers have complicated the gospel so much it's amazing anybody ever gets saved. We've made it very, very complicated. And the simple things like, oh, my goodness, come on now. You know, repentance isn't complicated. Forgiveness isn't complicated. I forgive. That's it. Amen. Now, if you've been hurt or you're wounded or you need healing, that's, a, that's another category. But that's just as easy. And the only delay in all of it is whether you're willing to receive it or know how to or have an expectation of what healing looks like. Many people never have the wounds of their mind healed because of a wrong expectation. They don't really believe they could ever get over it. Truth. And out of their mouth, I hear, I'll never get over this. And I think, yep, that's true. One of the things that we realize is what coming out of our mouth is while we're living. And we want to blame everybody else for that harvest. Must have been the devil. No, it was your own mouth. Well, I don't want to take responsibility for that. Because that hurts. And when I look in the mirror, I don't want to blame that person looking back at me. Amen. I'm going to learn of him. I'm going to learn of him. I'm going to put my own things aside. What does Jesus' yoke look like? Light and easy. What in the world? You know, when they made those yokes, what that comparison is, it's like wood and they put it on oxen. And if there was a young person come along or a young ox, they put him with a mature one who knows how to submit. And I believe that's the real truth behind why we make it complicated and we make yokes hard. The yoke of Jesus is easy because he's a good master. He wants the best for your life. And submitting to him is the best decision you'll ever make in your life. You're not coming under control. You're not coming under a guy who doesn't have your best interest at heart. He has your best purpose. He's holding it right there. And when you come and you say, oh, Lord, lead me. Oh, Lord, show me how to follow you. I'm learning of you. You're saying go this way. And things go well. And they were like, oh, good. I better mess this up because it couldn't be this good. And we go back to making it hard. What was wrong with you when it was good? Come on. It was good. Why are you messing it up? What well, can't be this good. Yes, it can. <laughs> and we've only tapped into the little goodness. Your goodness will never end all that much, you know. Well, as long as we got a little bit, we'll be okay. And we'll slide through the, you know, pearly gates and everything will be fine when we get there. Why wait? 
No, it's okay. We're called to suffer as believers. Well, that's your tune. Go play it. I am not playing that tune. And I don't have to. His yoke is easy. If I'll submit and get under his wing and under his direction, it all works well. And, and people pay for your lunch. It's really nice. <laughs> and, and you know, when I was heading back to the airport that morning, and it was another half an hour, 45, crazy freeways. And, and it's a little, you know, turn left, turn left. It's stuck in my brain and trying to, I'm like casting you down in Jesus name. I thought, you know what the best way to keep my mind clear was? What did I do? Anybody got a clue? That's exactly right. I got now. I thought, good morning, Jesus. We're going to have a good ride to the airport. I'm not going to miss any turns. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to pray in loud tongues. Nobody can hear me in the car anyway. And, well, they might. If we were going slow enough and at a stop sign, they might. And, uh, but we were going 70, so it was okay. I just prayed in tongues the whole way there. We had a great drive. And crazy thoughts didn't have a chance in my head. You want to get rid of crazy thoughts? You want to get that helmet on tight? Thank God for a helmet of salvation. Start thanking him. Oh, thank you, God. You got my head protected. I know once it was under the hand of me, and it wasn't good. But now I've got you over my head. And not only are you helping my thoughts go right, you're helping me think right. It's going well, and I like what's going on in my head. You can like your thoughts. My, my, my. You know, we start talking about things like that and you can feel. <clears throat> Get over yourself. Do you believe the word of God? Learn of him. And yes, absolutely, I'm stirring the pot. Absolutely. Because this word is important. It's important for you to grasp God does not want you traumatized, living in fear, living with the battle going on inside and between your ears. Get your helmet fastened. Learn of him, how he operates. And then as you hear the word, and you will, it will begin to produce the faith that's always been there. Because the life that we live now in the in the flesh, we live by the faith of Jesus. If you want to live by his faith, you're going to have to learn about him and of him, how he works, how the whole of thing is operating in your life. And it's a good thing. Faith will begin to work the way it's supposed to work. It's wonderful. And it's glorious. And then when you see the miracles, they will affirm what you knew and believed to be true because faith doesn't come by seeing miracles faith comes by hearing the word seeing the miracle confirms the word it confirms it so we don't look for the miracles but we do see them we don't go on a hunt for the miracle but they work and they're wonderful. I can remember those times when I would open up the book of Acts and think, oh, this should be in the church. I was young, uh, you know, my teen years, and I'm thinking, why isn't this in the church? Where is it? 
Where is the power of God? I didn't know why it wasn't there, but I wasn't going on a why search. I just kept digging that thing. And inside, I mean, I was young and I'm like, these things should be in the church. I talked to my pastor and they're like, well, you know, yeah. 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 Okay, I need more than an agreement here. <laughs> and, and when I heard that first, somebody passed me some tapes of, of a, actually Dr. Laird. And I listened how miracles were happening. And when he spoke of the word of God and he was teaching from the word, there was something different. You see, at that point, I hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit when I was listening to his. He was so full of the Holy Spirit's work in his life. He yielded to Holy Spirit. He, Holy Spirit spoke with him. He spoke with Holy Spirit. He listened and learned of Jesus. And those things were automatic. They were a natural flow that just came in. And as we turn into this season that God has appointed, not me, not you, not anyone sitting here today, but God has appointed this season, this season of miracles, we will see it. We will see it. We'll see it. But we're not just going to see it because we're going to hear before we see. And what we're going to hear is we're going to hear words of faith that we have never heard before. Many of us have heard scriptures. Many of us have heard the word being spoken, but it hasn't come open in our hearts. But the only way we step into that season is when the word is beginning to crack open. When that seed has gone into our hearts and has come alive. Like the two in the road to Emmaus. When they had the communion. And he said, the word came open. And we knew we were with Jesus. Where that word, when you've been reading it, and it's never made sense before. And suddenly, suddenly, it all made sense. This is our day. This is the time for the word to come open. These are days that our voice increases, not because of people it goes out to, but it increases here between you and your Lord, where it really means something, something you've been longing for. Many of you have come here, some of you are watching online, and you've known that there was something you've been reaching for that hasn't quite connected. And you haven't quite stepped into that place where it, but you've, there, there was the hunger had begun because you kept saying inside, there was that voice inside that said, there's something more here. There's something more that it just hasn't clicked for me. It just hasn't come into my life. But in these days, these are the days when the word is coming alive. Some of you have had this word sown into you when you were children, and yet it has never come into harvest. But these are the days of that harvest. These are the days of the words softly spoken that came in as you were small. Some of you very small. And you thought one day, one day. I will move and I will understand. This is that day. This is that day. And we are in it. And yet still, 
with those who know those. And even as I speak, some of your hearts are beginning to stir. And Holy Spirit is is allowing those things that he spoke when you were yet young to begin to come alive. Some of you are sensing it even now as I speak. And yet there are some who sit on the side and say, I'm just not sure it will work for me. God didn't close the gate of revelation. He's not shut the door to understanding. He didn't make it so mysterious so that none could understand his ways. If a little child shall lead them, a little child heard him. Hmm? So this is our day. This is our time. To learn of him. To learn of Holy Spirit's true voice. Others we have followed. We have followed other voices. We have. But this is where real peace happens. This is where there's a rest in God. There's no drive. There's no like, ah, oh, not like that. There's just an openness and a hunger that's different. Hunger and drive are different. But this is where true faith arises in our life where we believe things that seemed impossible and we begin to see them now through God's eyes as possible. What a wonderful day. What a wonderful time. What a wonderful time. What a wonderful time. Oh, Holy Spirit's here today. Some of you have never really been filled with his presence before truth. Some of you have never known that touch that I talked about. You know, I've had some wonderful moments. It doesn't have to happen uh, like with a big song and a dance or fireworks. But God just touches you where you are. And he stirs the things, some old, some new. Some things need to be left off. Let it just reach your hands just quiet. Don't move it. Don't get out of your seats just yet. Just lift your hands toward him. Oh, Master. Oh, Master. She proto okilere stende. Apro yeshe. Then de locuso oribeshe. Ramo soche. Yes, I see that. Apro ma alahania edele. Atsura halashele. Ambo kosika robo shika male brusutu shikilere iche. Some have been very afraid of another war that there would be war on, the, on this land, like beat, uh, boots on the ground, I think is the term some people have in their heart. And they're, they're here that's tried to come. But I hear Holy Spirit saying, he said, fear not. Fear not. There's no boots on the ground in this nation, in this nation, in this nation, this nation. And there will continue to be rumors of wars. 
There will continue to be that. These are the times you're living in, no surprise. But you will see some changes that might uh, cause you to feel a bit wobbly. And, uh, but your steadiness doesn't come from circumstances, situations, or governments, or what they say. Your steadiness comes from understanding his ways and his peace. I hear the Lord saying, be very careful about where you go. Be very careful about who you align with. Go where he says, align where he says. Trust his leadership. Trust his leadership. Be set. Be set and be pleased with what he's doing in you. Begin to come to a different level. Some of you have been sort of thankful, but not thankful. Be pleased, I hear him say. Be pleased with what he's doing. More than thankful, be pleased. Be pleased. If you want Holy Spirit to just move in your life, you've never been filled with him, just keep your hands up. Holy Spirit's just touching people all over, filling him. That's it. Just receive. Just receive. Just receive his goodness. Oh, his goodness. There, see? And just agree with it. Begin to thank him for it. Begin to thank him for it. That's it. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, you're filling your people fresh and new. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. 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 See, so good. Father, I speak your word of peace and comfort. So many, so many have been tormented. Just receive right where you are, right where you are, the peace that goes beyond what you know, the peace that goes beyond your understanding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at